Welcome down to my nine-foot homemade oak bar. Pour yourself a cold one. You are listening to Bucks in the Basement. My name's Chris, and Craig here is the biggest Pirates fan you'll ever meet. Let's talk Pirates baseball now. Welcome to Bucks in the Basement. Now I see the changes in this town. They change, they say one thing, but then the next day. I look at this team, I look at the first couple of weeks, I see some great things coming from our boy Brian Reynolds. I mean, the guy's hitting 306 early on, he's getting some extra base hits now all of a sudden. We were talking about how that slugging percentage was low last time we talked last week. It's already going up a little bit. And then, of course, I want to tell you about a guy who I thought he was doing well. But today is the day that we sit down and we try to figure out, like, who am I going to get on the waiver wire in our fantasy baseball league? Right, Craig? Like, I oh, mean, yeah. you check it all week long, but this is when you're setting your lineup. So today I was like, is there a hitter that's off to a hot start that nobody in this league has on their fantasy team? And they're sitting up at the top of the list of available players. One Philip Evans with his 400 average as we sit down here tonight, slugging 767 with a 1221 OPS. And you have to find him some place to play every day, even when Cabrian Hayes comes back, right? Yeah, and that's been like the big discussion. Uh, Gary actually was ahead of everybody yesterday on Sunday writing an article for our site over there inside the Bucks basement, our little blog that we have attached to, to the podcast. And now everybody's on it. And the big thing for me is that, yeah, you have to find him a place to play. My mention that I made when I tweeted his thing out, because you know I do like the, you know, the retweet or whatever, and it was the meritocracy. They are preaching this meritocracy that if someone is outplaying somebody else, and they did this in spring training, you know, Anthony Alford, who is absolutely possibly maybe worse than Gregory Polanco at this point in time in the season, 15 at bats, 12 strikeouts, three base on balls, not one single hit, uh, actually played better than anybody else in center field in spring training, so he got the gig. Brian Hayes gets injured. That's why you kept Philip Evans around. That's why you kept Eric Gonzalez around instead of keeping, you know, somebody like Todd Frazier around was for that versatility. So, I mean, he can play multiple positions. He, you know, plays third base. He played a little, plays a little bit of outfield, uh, played some first base last year. And that's pretty much like, you know, a couple innings until he ran his face into Gregory Polanco's elbow. Out in right field on Monday night. Uh, This show comes out on Tuesdays. Last night started in right field because they're trying to figure it out. Can we put him out there? Uh, That's what I feel like they're going to do there. I mean, when you decide, oh, we're going to put Eric Gonzalez in at third base today, but we're going to move Phillip Evans in the right just because we want to see. Gregory Polanco's in trouble if he does well out there. When Cabrian Hayes comes back. Yeah, and it's still it still leaves a question mark for me, though, just because we haven't really found an answer in center field. Not that we have to find an answer, Chris. You don't got to find an answer this year. No. You really don't. So that's where like my mind automatically went to because left field to me in PNC Park is 
even harder to play than center field. In center field, you need like the captain, the leader. It's always been, you know, McCutcheon and then Marte. It's it's the guy that, you know, he's he's pretty athletic, but he's also just like, you know, that outfield general. And Marte actually did what I liked him in left field, even when McCutcheon was like, you know, he's like center field's mine. Everybody's talking about moving him over. Because that left field is just so awkward to play. Center field's a little bit weird because of the north side notch and everything, the little notch in the outfield. But for me, yeah, Phillip Evans, uh, not as athletic as some of the guys that you could put out there in left field. Not that Adam Frazier's super athletic, because that's another option to put him out because he played some left field. Well, yeah, but if you think about it, I mean, Reynolds is going to play left, right? I mean, you're going to keep Reynolds yeah. in left. That's why they're going to try out. That's why they're going to try out Philip Evans over in right field now. Because you're right, center field is. I don't know if they're going to find their answer in center field. I mean, let, let's be honest. You got two guys right now out there, and Fowler and, and Alford, and Fowler uh, is proving that you can go four for 19 to start a season off and hit 211 and actually be the better center fielder out of the two of them as Anthony Alford is 0 for the season so far. Yeah, so that's where, like, I mean, that's where, like, my thought process was going, Chris, and I just kind of want to walk everybody through it as to, you know, maybe why that doesn't matter as to who's in center field because Reynolds is is your best defensive outfielder out there. You know, Fowler and, and, and Alford are athletic, but I still am not like sold on like that baseball skill. So Reynolds is comfortable in left field. He plays better in left field. And like I said, PNC Park left field is the tougher spot. And if you're going to find a spot for Phillip Evans and it's going to be every day, uh, why not for Gregory Polanco? Because, you know, if the Pirates DFA Gregory Polanco at any point in time during this season... A team can pick him up, and they are only responsible for $200,000 of his contract. So the rest would still be on the Pirates. So if you're another major league team, you would almost be playing chicken with the Pirates, and it might actually be smarter at that point in time to not give really anything up for him to see if the Pirates at some point in time are just going to get tired of trotting him out there if he doesn't start to pick things up. So, I mean, yes, could you get something for him? I mean, maybe, but I think that after like hearing that and just looking at, you know, there's there's other options. There's there's guys. They made a list of players that hadn't been picked up yet this year. I mean, Jed Jerko is going to coach the West Virginia Black Bears this year because he couldn't find a job. I mean, there's other guys that are out there that teams might be like, yeah, he might have been sitting there for all season or whatever, but I'd maybe trust his bat a little bit more than Gregory Polanco's at this point in time in this season. Or, you know, maybe we'll try out our guy that's sitting down in AAA and and get him going towards the end of the season instead of giving up a prospect, taking on a part of Gregory Polanco's contract instead of just waiting till the Pirates DFA him. So to me, if you know that you're probably not going to find that answer in center field and you'd like to keep Reynolds in left field because I think that's where his best position is at. Philip Evans, right field. I mean, it's it's honestly that simple and playing the hot hand. And if he stops hitting for some point in time, you, you give him like that little treatment where, you know, you sit down for a couple of days, do a little bit of a reset. But 
Philip Evans, Chris, before the show, I was telling you, has a has a fairly unique nickname. And yeah, yeah. Tell tell me about this. I was gonna I was gonna ask you about this because they keep trying to come up with nicknames for the guy, but he actually has a legit one. Like, tell me what everybody's coming up with right now because you were listing the ones that you've heard, but the one that he actually has that was given to him by a minor league coach is awesome. Everybody's coming up with it. I mean, it's they're cool. It's I mean, it's Philip. So. You know, kind of like, you know, instead of Phil the Thrill. Stupid. Thrillip Evans. Dumb. You know, all this stuff. So, Chris, I told you, I sit there for some reason, and at the actually, you know why? It's because at the end of the day, I sit there, because I don't want to work for the last, I, cl- I have to clock in and out of work. And probably the last 20 minutes, I, I'm just trying to kill time. So I'm just like, do any of these guys have cool nicknames? And I saw Philip Evans' nickname today, and I looked up the backstory on it. Philip Evans, and not every player has one, and most of them are associated with some play on their name or something like everybody gets. What's the nickname? Barrel. Uh, one, he looks like a barrel. I don't think so. That's insulting. Sorry, Philip. Uh, two, uh, he was once found in, in like the woods with a barrel of beer by his friends or something like that, and he tried to drink the entire thing. Possible. Or three, he's barreling up the ball. That's exactly what it is because... His barrel rates, I mean, I, looking at his stats right now, he was, Philip Evans was all over, and this this might be the Philip Evans love show, I don't know. He was all over Twitter today. I mean, everybody was posting about him just because uh, his hard hit rate, the OPS is up there with like guys like Ronald Acuna Jr., which, I mean, here's my thing, Chris. I'm not saying like break out. I would never, I'm not saying, you know, that, you know, Charrington found this this diamond in the rough, but for a guy to get a nip, nickname like Barrel from down in the minor leagues, and I looked at his minor league stats, and he actually only had like one bad season in the minor leagues, and the rest of the time, and even that year, he I still think was making good contact because his slugging was still up there, his uh, on base percentage was up there, so he was still being selective, so maybe he was just barreling it up, and you know hitting it straight at people or something. Maybe his his baby or something wasn't that great for that season. But to get a nickname like that, I mean everybody gets a nickname. You you kind of earn it. You you earn a nickname. I mean, Chris, I was telling you before this in in college, I was given a nickname. I I didn't give it to myself. I don't like when people give themselves their own nicknames. What is it? Uh my nickname in college was Butterbean. So everybody oh, remembers. Like a, how, how fat were you? Like, I never knew you back then. Like, were you a big guy? I mean, you know, you're not a fat guy now. I am on, I, I am listed on my driver's license at my actual height, which is five, nine and three quarters. My butt never made it to five, 10. Right. Uh, but you know, like back in high school, when I played baseball and, and, all, and basketball and everything, I was listed as, as at least six, one, you know, all those fake things, but no, I was five foot nine and three quarters and about 265 pounds. You were a butterbean. And I used to shave my head and I used to bick it. And the other thing I used to do is unfortunately, I, I don't know if you know this about me, Chris is I, I get drunk and I turn into a little bit of a hothead. I mean, you see me on Twitter before where I become an absolute moron, Yeah, which is why you should not be allowed to use the bucks in the basement Twitter account when you're drinking. And this is yeah. something we've talked about. Yes. Yeah. That. So that's, you know, something we, we've we definitely talked about. And I would, 
I, I'd get into some fights in college. And as everybody knows, I look like Butterbean. And anybody that's ever watched Butterbean box. Right. The, the boxer, the big, the big guy, the big Butterbean boxer. Yeah. I know who you're talking about. Yeah. He either destroys somebody with like this haymaker or he just gets absolutely lit up. And that was me in college. Like I'm, I'm not the best fighter in the world. I can take a bunch of punches. Cause I guess I got a hard head, but I would either just land something like out of nowhere, no cheap shot. You know, you're in a fight. I would land something out of nowhere or a dude would just absolutely pummel me. And I couldn't go home for like two or three weeks. Cause I didn't want to show my mom, my beat up face, you know, like that was me. All right, this is something like I, right now. I'm just picturing you in the red, white, and blue butterbean shorts, and <laughs> it's a disturbing image I can't get out of my head. So I wanna, I wanna move back to Philip Evans because that that's disturbing to me. Wow, you don't look like a guy who was a 265 pound bald guy who got into stupid fights and uh, and was only five foot nine. Like I've never ever gotten that impression of you ever. Now I now I understand the beard. The beard is to hide the shame. Of what you once were. I get yeah, it now. It's, I it's, totally... my co- it's my cover. Hey gang, ever wonder what it's like to be a small business owner? It's confusing. Weird expenses coming out of nowhere. And when you throw in health insurance, forget it. Nobody understands how that works. If you own a business, big or small, it's one of the biggest expenses you have all year long. And yet we all wait until open enrollment at the end of the year. And then we think to ourselves next year, next year, I'll get a jump on it. And then it's another year of paying way too much. If you're a business owner, big or small, HR representative that wants to impress the boss, give Butch Zemar of Elite Benefits of America a call. Save yourself or your boss thousands or even tens of thousands of dollars a year. Reach out to Butch right now, 708-535-3006. Or shoot him an email, butch at elitebenefits.net. And be sure to check out the Zemar podcast. Don't wait till the last minute. Put Butch Zemar to work for you now. I want to get back to Philip Evans because I want to talk about the idea of breakout seasons. And I remember a couple years ago, people started saying that, like, you know, it's possible that there are some breakout years there earlier than the traditional year 27. And so immediately everybody started gravitating towards the idea that if you don't break out when you're 24 or 25, like some of these superstars that we see that come out, you don't break out. But in reality, there are plenty of guys that hit that 27-year-old season and break out. And he's not the only guy who's 28 this year in in this season who had promise in 2020, but we didn't really notice it that much because of the limited amount of at-bats. His breakout year would have been, which habitually players seem to figure it out right around the age of 27, would have been last year. I mean, he only had 45 plate appearances last year, but he hit 359 with a 932 OPS and an OPS plus of 153. If you got this, that this year from him, because of course he's going to regress a little bit. He's not going to hit 393. He's not going to have a 1200 OPS all year long. He's not going to have yeah. an OPS plus of 226. That's 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 unreal. That's unheard of. It's not happening. But if he just goes and regresses back to those numbers, he's a star. If he comes in at like 90% of those numbers, he's a really good everyday ball player on your team. So it's not unheard of at the age of 28 if his 27 season was was cut short for Philip Evans to, to, to break out. It's not unheard of for this to be when he finally puts it together. You know, when he played in the in the minor leagues in AAA for the Cubs in 2019 and had a really solid year. 
Yeah. And, you know, and, and we're seeing other guys that are breaking out. I mean, look at look at the look at the guy who's hitting over 600 right now for the White Sox who just barely made their team. Your mean Mercedes. He's got the longest home run in Major League Baseball this year. He's he, he's crushing like every stat. I mean, it's only two weeks in, but he's on the same trajectory. Had mostly a minor league career at 27 years old. Looked really good last year. Didn't really get a chance to hit in their lineup because they were looking at other players. And then Aloy Jimenez gets injured. This guy steps into the middle of their lineup and now is playing every day and crushing the ball at the same rate of Phillip Evans. If they can believe in in that guy who's a career AAA player, Pirates fans can at least think about the possibility they got a guy like that too playing for them. Yeah, I mean, the other part is, Chris, is I was just like looking through and just flipping through a lot of the stuff with Phillip Evans, and I don't know why I forgot about this. 2018, that he had his bad year, he was on the seven-day seven day IL, then he went on the 10-day IL, then he went on the 60-day IL for a fractured left tibia. Right. So the only season that he had, you know, a poor season in the minors is he was injured the whole time off and on. So the guy has always... He's always barreled. He's always hit. He's always hit well. He's, you know, he's gotten some power from time to time, but most of the time he he's just one of those guys that he just gets up and he just does his business. Just like when we're talking about like Brian Reynolds, you know, yesterday's game, I I unfortunately I, I had to listen to it, you know, while I was driving, but then I got to see some of the highlights later on. It's Brian Reynolds yesterday in the game on Sunday uh, look like he looked, you know, in 2019 where you're just, you're basically just swinging like yourself. The home runs will come, you know, the extra base hits will come just because of where the ball is placed. But it's like, I'm just, you know, hitting to all fields. Uh, I'm going to, you know, take, take advantage of, you know, the opposite field. I'm going to take advantage of, you know, what's given to me. And I'm just going to hit the ball like how I hit the ball. I'm not going to worry about launch angle or any of this other stuff. And if the home runs are going to come, the home runs, you know, might come, might be able to do a little bit of a tweak, but I, I just think it's Philip Evans. Like I said, I'm not going to say breakout and, and just because I also kind of don't want to jinx it. Cause as soon as I say it, it won't happen. Well, he's, not the, like. he's not the only guy that is doing it. I mean, Tyler Naquin is doing it in Cincinnati. Yeah. Here's a guy that's finally getting every day at bats. And is slugging 806 right now with a 290 average has five home runs so far. I mean, he's he he's only a year older, if I'm not mistaken, than Evans. Here's another guy that when it was right around the time he was gonna bust out, got a shortened season because of COVID. So now he's finally getting a chance to get everyday playing time, and he's finally getting a chance to show what he's doing, and he's at that age. Cedric Mullins, who's the outfielder for Baltimore. Here's a guy who's slugging 676 with an on-base percentage of 512. He's hitting 460. He's 26 years old. Did, was he ever on your radar? How many of you just heard his name for the first time? Many people. So, like, like, I mean, think about this. So, you don't need to be a bust out who just shows up on the scene and you're 20, 21, 22, and you're, and you're just a superstar at the top of the MLB pipeline, top 100. That's not the only path to greatness in the majors. That's not the only path to becoming an everyday player. And that's why the Pirates are right to go with the guys that earn the job. And that's what they should be doing this season because, like we've said, all offseason, like we're going to say all season long, it's about 
watching those guys that you know are your 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 core stars. Mitch Keller had a great outing, right? Yeah. He went out and he actually pitched well his next outing out. All right. He, he kind of took Matt Cap's advice from the last show. You should go back and listen to it. If you missed it, it's really informative. Found everywhere podcasts can be found and always at bucksinthebasement.com. You know, you're looking at the fact that Brian Reynolds seems to be rebounding. You're waiting for Cabrian Hayes to come back and go out there and play because he's an important piece. And then you're also trying to identify what other guys do we have on this team that could be something long term. The first couple of weeks is not determining that for Phillip Evans. He may finish the season hitting 240. He may be back down the minors by July, but there's hope with this guy. And there isn't, it isn't unprecedented that a guy comes around at his age and figures it out. There's lots of guys all over Major League Baseball that are just like that. I mean, Trey Mancini really didn't get going until I, if I, I want to say he was like 27. Yeah. Okay. And, and then he unfortunately had the, the bout with cancer and now he's back trying to work his way back. Not everybody's ready to go and killing it and a superstar at the age of 23, 24, 25. That's just not how it works. Yeah, and the other part of this, Chris, is that somebody will say, well, you know, they'll say, you know, he's 28. He's going to be like 29 next season. We talked about, and and I know we've like harped on this like over and over. Sometimes it's not about the chronological age. It's about the age and years of control. Like Philip Evans isn't going to be arbitration eligible till 2023. He's not going to be able to be a free agent till 2026. Then he's old and he's gone. Like, I mean, yeah. like, so you basically own him. You own him for all the time he could be good right now. That's what, uh, because it took him so long to get good. So don't worry about his age. So, I mean, the, the, you want him to do well. I'm not sure if he's going to do it. I, I see that you don't have the confidence in him. I mean, let, you, you might be all excited about him right now on this podcast, but let's talk about your fantasy baseball team, which uh, if I'm not mistaken, was the second lowest scoring team of the first scoring period for us. And the only got reason the you won is because you played the worst team. Got the win. You got the win. I know, it. but you played the worst team. That's the only reason why you got the win. We got Clint Frazier, Brandon Nimmo and Victor Robles as your starting outfield. And yeah. you, you don't have Philip Evans on your team. Your, 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 your DH, which you could use anybody for is Paul DeYoung from St. Louis. That's the best hitter you have coming off your bench right now. That you're using as a DH. You you know love for Philip Evans? Really? You you didn't even go pick him up yet. I might pick him up before this podcast is over just to spite you. Because here you are talking about him and how the guy could break out. You don't even have the confidence to put him on your fantasy team. And your team sucks. My, my team is terrible. But I I don't know why. I, sometimes I, I drift towards the homers. Everybody knows that. I, I went with Quinn Priester in the first round when he probably would have been there in like the sixth round or something. But it was a good pick because you liked him and you're trying to rebuild your fantasy team. But I'm just saying, like, there's no room on your 40-man roster for this guy in case he keeps uh, hitting? In case he's third base and outfield eligible all year long? You you, you don't want him? I, I don't... <laughs> I mean, let's, let's talk about some of the losers that you're holding on to on your team. Come on, I'm just going to pick on you now. That's what I'm going to do. I'm going to pick on you. For some of the losers that you're holding on to on your team. I mean, how many catchers do you need? You got one, two, three guys in your minors. You got uh, two guys on your major league team, and all of them are terrible. You can't you can't drop one of these guys and, and find some room for your boy? <laughs> I mean, I guess I could. I, I mean, I, I think I do have Tyler Stevenson from the Reds. I really like him, but he's going to be splitting time with Tucker Barnhart. Fine. You have him. That's fine. Use him. Keep him around. 
But yeah, means, it's not like I'm trying to win because I'm the second worst team. You keep on, right. I keep on reminding about how bad my team. Your is. team is awful, and and you know, I mean, I felt bad for you that Josh Bell was basically out for the entire first period because he had COVID. So I felt bad for you for that. But yeah. still, you didn't even start him this week. You you went with Eric Hosmer because he's red hot. Yet you don't have you don't have room for Philip Evans. That's all. I'm, I'm just I'm just pointing out. Why did I also didn't know if I I didn't know if Josh Bell was coming back. Listen, listen. 40 slots, and you don't have room for a guy right now who's hitting 393 with a 452 on base percentage, slugging 750 with a 1202 OPS, and he's playing every day. You got no room for that guy on your crappy little fantasy team. And yet you're telling Pirates fans this guy could be something. And it only matters if I if I make the choice myself and it personally affects me. I, I understand this, Chris. I know where this is going. I'm just saying. I'm just saying, like, you know, make the move. I, I'll, I'll update everybody as to whether or not Craig pulls the trigger. You want to know why he doesn't want to pull the trigger? He doesn't want to pull the trigger because he feels like once he picks him up, Philip Evans is somehow going to become a bad player. Like, he thinks he'll jinx him by picking him up and putting him on his fantasy team. That's what he thinks. He, that's, that's honestly what you think, isn't it? Yeah, and I really, if you look at it, I, I, other than Quinn Priester, like, I don't have too many Pirates. Like, I inherited, I think I inherited Josh Bell, didn't I? You might have. I don't think. You did, you took over a terrible team, and you're in the process of a rebuild because it's a dynasty league. So it's not like you got to actually go out and draft your team. So I get what you're doing. I give you a hard time about how bad your team is. But, like, you are trying to rebuild a team. I get it. I understand. Like, I actually go out and grab up Pirates prospects so that I can rip off Craig later on in the season, like Nick Gonzalez is sitting in my minor leagues. I can't wait to see what I can get for him. And I'm going <laughs> to knock on, I'm knocking on Craig's door first. I'm waiting to see if somebody busts down. I'm like, well, oh, I want that guy. I'll give you Nick Gonzalez and a bag of balls. And he'll jump right at it. You're going to be studying the Altoona curve stats just as like uh, intently as I am. You're going to become <laughs> like this, this pirate uh, prospect expert, just like, just like myself, how I claim to be sometimes. I just want to know when he's at his highest value so I can rob you. That's all I want. Yeah, but Chris, I mean, that's another thing is is hoping for the guys in the minors to do well. Like we said before, Chris, and just, you know, so we can wrap it up to with go back to a little bit of more of Pirates baseball is there's only certain guys that you're looking for. And of course, as we're speaking, a guy that we want to do well, Luis Oviedo, who's doing well, gave up a dinger, but he's 21 years old. It's fine. I, I, I still trust his stuff. But what we're looking for is, I mean, once we said it before, again, Kevin Newman is is kind of scaring me right now. Like he got bumped down to the eighth spot. He's batting below the Mendoza line, still making that soft contact. That's a guy that, you know, we're watching. And you saw him hit ridiculous in spring, and I know that spring means nothing, but he just doesn't seem to be hitting even the same way or with the same, I guess, the word gusto or whatever it would be that he was in spring. Adam Frazier's being Adam Frazier. He's streaky. He's going to end up where he's going to end up. So so that's fine. And I don't even worry about Adam Frazier as much anymore. But like you said, Brian Reynolds, watching him. Mitch Keller, you're watching him. JT Brubaker, who had a pretty good I was going to bring him up. I was waiting for a chance to bring up your boy. JT Brubaker has been brought up more by Craig than I think anybody else who covers this team. He brings him up constantly. Every time he talks to anybody about Pirates pitching, he can't wait to say the name JT Brubaker. And over two starts, he's got a 1.93 ERA and a whip under 1.30. And he's the only starter that's anywhere near the threshold that we have said over and over again. To be a legit starter, I want that whip at 1.30 or lower. And he's at the 1.29. He's the only, he's really been your only legit starter. If only he can go deeper in the games than what he's doing right now, you'd be like super stoked. 
Yeah, absolutely, Chris. And, and the big thing about me that I I loved about JT's uh, start yesterday when I went back and watched it was the dude's all he's not afraid to pitch in. Like we talked about with Mitch Keller, part of that stuff is that confidence. And Brubaker hit two Cubs and and almost like didn't even bat an eye and then like got out of those innings just because he's like, you know what? I'm pitching this guy in. Like that's what's working for me right now. I'm going to jam this guy. I'm going to make him hit into the shift. If I nick his elbow or hit him up in the ribs, so be it. But I'm going to work the ball the way I want to work the ball. And he, like I said, I've said this a million times, he was he was on the path to be called up before Mitch Keller. I went down to see him pitch a rehab start down in for the West Virginia Black Bears when they were the Pirates, you know, short season uh, A team. And, and he ended up not coming back in that 2019 season. I, I like how the kid pitches. He's not, doesn't have the ceiling of, you know, Keller, but it has the makings or the makeup of a good guy that you could sit in the middle of your rotation, or maybe even if he had to be towards the back of the rotation, but you're not going to be looking at a terrible start. You're He's going to give you... I, what I would believe would be a good start, you know, especially as he gains more experience. All right. So listen, the pirates are already pretty much at like they're winning one out of every three games. So they, they did run up against the Cubs a lot and the Cubs are terrible and they feasted on them. The last three games of this Padres series, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and then three against the Brewers over the weekend, that's six games to keep up their current pace. They would win two of those. Over, under, or let's just say two, what's your prediction for this week? I'd go with a push and I'd go with two because, I mean, they're not going to get to face tr- my boy Trevor Williams like they do like they did on uh, on Sunday all the time. <laughs> and, he, he, you know, he had his one good start of the year and his first start, but then he, he absolutely just got dinked and dunked and got rocked by JT Brubaker for three RBIs. Like I told you before, Chris, Trevor Williams, good dude, not a good pitcher. Just not a good pitcher. So we can't pitch against him all the time. You would tweet him that if he hadn't blocked you. Yeah, still blocked. <laughs> still blocked. Now I see the changes in this town. They change, they say one thing, but then the next day.